0: Chapter 4 of My Airships by Alberto Santos Dumont This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 4 My Brazil Smallest of Spherical Balloons I liked ballooning so much... That coming back from my first trip with Monsieur Moncheron, I told him that I wanted a balloon built for myself. He liked the idea. He thought that I wanted an ordinary sized spherical balloon, between five hundred and two thousand cubic meters in volume. No one would think of making one smaller. It is only a short time ago, but IT IS CURIOUS HOW CONSTRUCTORS STILL CLUNG TO HEAVY MATERIALS. THE SMALLEST BALLOON BASKET HAD TO WEIGH 30 KILOGRAMS. NOTHING WAS LIGHT, NEITHER ENVELOPE, RIGGING, NOR ACCESSORIES. I GAVE M. marcheron MY IDEAS. He cried out against it when I told him I wanted a balloon of the lightest and toughest Japanese silk, 100 cubic meters in volume. At the works, both he and Monsieur Le Chambre tried to prove to me that the thing was impossible. How often have things been proved to me impossible? Now I am used to it. I expect it. But in those days it troubled me. Still, I persevered. They showed me that for a balloon to have stability, it must have a certain weight. Again, a balloon of 100 cubic meters, they said, would be affected by the movements of the aeronaut in his basket much more than a large balloon of regulation size. With a large balloon, the center of gravity in the weight of the aeronaut is as in figure 1a. When the aeronaut moves, say to the right in his basket, figure 1b, the center of gravity of the whole system is not shifted appreciably. In a very small balloon, the center of gravity, figure 2a, is undisturbed only so long as the aeronaut sits straight in the center of his basket. When he moves to the right, the center of gravity, figure 2b, is shifted beyond the vertical line of the balloon's circumference, causing the balloon to swing in the same direction. Therefore, they said, your necessary movements in the basket will cause your little balloon to roll and swing continually. We shall make the suspension tackle longer in proportion, I replied. It was done, and the Brazil proved remarkably stable. When I brought my light Japanese silk to Monsieur Le Chambre, he looked at it and said, It will be too weak. But when we came to try it with a dynamometer, it surprised us. Tested thus, Chinese silk stands over 1,000 kilograms, or 2,200 pounds, strain to the linear meter, 3.3 feet the thin japanese silk stood a strain of 700 kilograms 1540 pounds that is it proved to be 30 times stronger than necessary according to the theory of strains this is astonishing when you consider that it weighs only 30 grams a little more than an ounce per square meter To show how experts may be mistaken in their merely offhand judgments, I have been building my airship balloons of the same material. Yet the inside pressure they have to stand is enormous, while all spherical balloons have a great hole in the bottom to relieve it. As the proportions finally adopted for the Brazil were 113 cubic meters, 4,104 cubic feet, corresponding to about 113 square meters, 135 square yards, of silk surface, the whole envelope weighed scarcely three and a half kilograms, less than eight pounds. But the weight of the varnish, three coats, brought it up to 14 kilograms, about 31 pounds. The net, which often weighs into the hundreds of pounds, weighed 1,800 grams, or nearly 4 pounds. The basket, which usually weighs 30 kilograms, 66 pounds at a minimum, weighed 6 kilograms, 13 pounds. The basket, which I now have with my little number 9, weighs less than 5 kilograms. 11 pounds. My guide rope, small but very long, 100 yards, weighed at most 8 kilograms, 17 and one-half pounds. Its length gave the Brazil a good spring. Instead of an anchor, I put in a little grappling iron of 3 kilograms, 6 and 5 pounds. Making everything light in this way, I found that in spite of the smallness of the balloon, it would have ascensional force to take up my own weight of 50 kilograms, 110 pounds, and 30 kilograms, 66 pounds, of ballast. As a fact, I took up that amount on my first trip. On another occasion, when a French cabinet minister was present, Anxious to see the smallest spherical balloon ever made, I had practically no ballast at all, only four or five kilograms, ten or eleven pounds. Nevertheless, causing the balloon to be weighted, I went up and made a good ascent. The Brazil was very handy in the air, easy to control. It was easy to pack also on descending, and the story that I carried it in a valise is true. Before starting out in my little Brazil, I made from 25 to 30 ascents in ordinary spherical balloons, quite alone as my own captain and sole passenger. Monsieur Le Chambre had many public ascents and allowed me to do some of them for him. Thus I made a sense in many parts of France and Belgium. As I got the pleasure and the experience, and as I saved him the labor and paid all my own expenses and damages, it was a mutually advantageous arrangement. I do not believe that Without such previous study and experience with a spherical balloon, a man can be capable of succeeding with an elongated, dirigible balloon, whose handling is so much more delicate. Before attempting to direct an airship, it is necessary to have learned in an ordinary balloon the conditions of the atmospheric medium to have become acquainted with the caprices of the wind, and to have gone thoroughly into the difficulties of the ballast problem from the triple point of view of starting, of equilibrium in the air, and of landing at the end of the trip. To have been oneself the captain of an ordinary balloon, at the very least a dozen times, seems to me an indispensable preliminary to acquiring an exact notion of the requisites for constructing and handling an elongated balloon furnished with its motor and propeller. Naturally, I am filled with amazement when I see inventors who have never set foot in the basket, drawing up on paper, and even executing in whole or in part, fantastic airships whose balloons are to have a capacity of thousands of cubic meters loaded down with enormous motors which they do not succeed in raising from the ground and furnished with machinery so complicated that nothing works such inventors are afraid of nothing because they have no idea of the difficulties of the problem Had they previously journeyed through the air at the wind's will, and amid all the disturbing influences of atmospheric phenomena, they would understand that a dirigible balloon, to be practical, requires first of all to have the utmost extreme of simplicity in all its mechanism. Some of the unhappy constructors who have paid with their lives the forfeit of their rashness had never made a single responsible ascent as captain of a spherical balloon. And the majority of their emulators, now so devotedly laboring, are in the same inexperienced condition. This is my explanation of their lack of success they are in the condition in which the first comer would find himself were he to agree to build and steer a transatlantic liner without having ever quitted land or set foot in a boat end of chapter 4